Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this Sabbath day. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that our Creator deemed it necessary that one day in seven that we come apart from the normal cares of this world and rest and reflect upon Thee. We know, Father, that even God Himself rested on the seventh day. And we pray, Lord, that we might not take this for granted, that this might not just be another day of the week, but that this might truly be a day when we can allow our minds and our hearts to reflect more upon Thee and upon Thy Word and upon Thy kingdom, which is not of this earth. Lord, be with those that can't be with us in this day. We're mindful of Brother Dan and Sister Maria. We're mindful of others that are unable to attend, some that are, that are shut-ins. Lord, be with them. Speak to them. Bless them, Lord, in their places. Be with Brother Josh, who's working today, caring for the sick. Lord, be with true believers wherever they are in this day and wherever the truth is spoken. And now, Lord, we ask that thou mightest open thy word in a place that seemeth good unto thee. And we'll thank thee for it already, Father. And we pray, Lord, that thy spirit might give utterance to whatever we need in this day, beginning with thy servant. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear ones, the scripture is open to John chapter 8. I think we should remain with that chapter since it's open. John chapter 8. I'll give you a moment to find it. Beginning with verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came with him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and they set her in the midst. And they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, we, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And they said, this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped on the ground and though, as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up, him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the old eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. 
For I know whence I am come, and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come, and whither I go. Ye judge according to the flesh, I judge no man. Yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two or three men is true. Two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bear witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye would have known my father. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from... Sorry. Need a little bit better light. Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say. And to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. Then they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father that hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things which, that please him. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. I believe the Lord would have us conclude with verse 30. Dear ones, we see at the beginning of this, of this chapter, the Pharisees were seeking to trap the Master. They thought that if they could come up with something that would be so egregious that they would be able to put him in a position where he would have to um, speak against the law or speak against the, the teachings that were there. And so what it says is that he went out on the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he, he came again to the temple, and all the people came with him and sat down and taught them. And he sat down and taught them. It said, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Imagine, dear ones, the the theater that is set up here. Jesus is in the temple. He's teaching. And they think, this is our chance. And they bring a woman who was caught in adultery. And why, they, why John decided we had to say in the very act? Maybe that's to say there was absolutely no doubt that she had committed adultery. And the, and the Pharisees bring her into the midst of the master with all the people around. And then they said, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? They're tempting him. 
They know that the law said she should be stoned. And I love how Jesus didn't give in to their trickery. He knew that they had come and they brought her just to, just to tempt him. One of the things I've always wondered about this account is they only brought the woman. Well, she wasn't committing adultery alone. Where's the man? That, to me, challenges all of their, their arguments here. This was not, we need to uphold the law of Moses. They didn't care at all about the woman. They didn't really care at all about the adultery. They cared about trapping the master and trying to get him to speak against the law, which he wasn't going to do. So, so when they continued asking him, he lifted, up his, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Dear ones, think of this wisdom in Jesus, such knowledge that he had. They are there with the woman caught in the act. They want him to challenge the law of Moses. And all he says is, those of you that have no sin, cast the first stone. He's giving them permission, if they are sinless, to punish the woman. And again, he stooped down on the ground and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the youngest. And at the last, Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman and said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Now, I've often wondered as a kid, what was he writing? You know, he's writing something in the sand, in the dirt. Was he maybe writing things that they had done, sins that other people had committed? I don't know. But we know that the Spirit was able to convict these people. And I find it interesting that the first to leave was the eldest. Well, he had the most sin. He had lived the longest. All the way down till they were all gone but the woman. And she said, No man, Lord. Dear ones, can we think about the emotions in this poor woman's heart and mind? She was caught in the act of adultery and should have been stoned, and she knew it. She was probably figuring this was the last day of her life, and she was going to die a painful, cruel death. But the accusers were gone. Then, and she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Wow. My brother and my sister, do you remember that day? Do you remember the day in your life when you came to this awareness that your sins were forgiven? 
when the work of redemption was complete in your life, and because of this awareness, this beautiful peace that passes all understanding filled your heart, wasn't life completely different from that point on? All your perspectives were different. Life itself had, had completely different meaning. And, and I want us to, I, I, I think what I'd like to do with the Lord's help is kind of use this example to almost take us through our own lives, our own, our own conviction of sin and, and repentance until we found forgiveness. Remember, dear ones, that that point when all of a sudden we realized that we were condemned. Remember when we realized, my brother and my sister, that what our judgment was was death. And that even if we didn't die in that moment, even living was going to be painful until such time as we would die. And we knew after we died would be eternal damnation. That awareness, that realization of separation from God, our Creator, caused us to turn to the Master. And for some, perhaps it was a fairly short process. For others, like myself, because of a lack of faith and a lack of understanding, took far longer than it ever really needed to. But it culminated with this awareness that we were now saved. And there was no one condemning us. And that if Jesus himself would have been standing in front of us, he would have said, I don't condemn you either. But remember what else he said to the woman. He didn't just say, neither do I condemn thee. He said, go and sin no more. Now the difference between the woman and us is that she had to wait just as all the prophets of old, just as all of the disciples, just as the, the true faithful Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come, to die, to be raised again, so that the Spirit could come and give victory over sin and over death. The beauty, dear ones, that we have that this woman did not have is the ability to have the Holy Spirit indwell us so that when Jesus would say to us, now, now I want you to go, and I don't want you to sin anymore. She was, she was relatively helpless. She could just live as close as she possibly could. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us to bear witness with the Spirit of God that we are His children. And that daily we can, we can apply the power of the Spirit in our lives to live victorious lives. And the other beautiful thing about the Spirit is that when we allow things of this world to creep into our lives, when as we move through the world, the, the sin clings to us again, we can go back to the Father and we can ask forgiveness and we can have that, that Spirit renewed again within us, that relationship with God confirmed again. So in my, in, as I read this, I'm thinking, what an amazing thing for this woman. But the Spirit's saying to me, what an amazing thing for you. Do you realize it? Do you, do you wake up in the morning with the awareness that you're forgiven? Do you wake up in the morning with the awareness that no one condemns you? What can there be on earth that should be able to drag or, or push, not drag, force that joy out of our hearts. 
There should be nothing. What on earth can come close to comparing with a right relationship with God? What on earth could give us joy that could be any greater than forgiveness of sin and a right standing with God? There isn't anything. And the problem is that the world tries to put all kinds of things in place to feel what we feel. And they can't find it. We need to, I need to be much more aware of that. I, you know, I, things do happen. People get sick. But, you know, Brother David asked, have you ever, how many of you have been wronged or taken advantage of? And every hand went up. It happens. Is it right? No. But what did Paul say to the brethren in Rome? He reminded them, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And, you know, there is that, there is that verse that says, you know, when you do good unto those that, 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 that are spitefully using you, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head. Now, the problem is that we can't do good for the purpose of heaping coals of fire. Like, if we're hoping that they're going to really be bothered by it, we kind of miss the point in what that's all about. <clears throat> But if you think about it, why shouldn't we do be good and kind to those who have wronged us? Because we're not condemned. If it would have been right to, to, to avenge ourselves, God would have taken vengeance on us. Because we sinned. We rebelled. Creation rebelled against the Creator. And, we, you know, we can blame our first parents, but guess what? Had they not done it, somebody else would have, or we would have. But God didn't take vengeance on us. He sent His Son so that we could live. So that we, like this woman at the well, He could say, I don't condemn you anymore either. Think about this, dear ones. The reason why God doesn't condemn us is because of Jesus. Jesus' blood paid the price so that ours wouldn't need to be shed because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So whenever you hear this story again, whenever you read this story, put yourself in the place of the woman. And think about those words that Jesus spoke to us through the Spirit. You're not condemned anymore. You have life in me. And then we, we continue reading here. Then spake the, uh, Jesus again, uh, again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Dear ones, we, we live in some really messed up times. You know, I, I remember as a young person hearing my dad talk about how crazy the world was. And I thought, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Nothing like what we see today. I mean, the world, you try to find absolutes. There are no absolutes. 
other than God. Nothing makes sense. You can't trust, you can't trust anything you hear. It's really to the point where unless you physically see something occur, can you even trust what you see? Because if we, okay, I saw this on the news. Is it real? I don't know. Is that image real? I don't know. You know, t- Tim and I, a couple years back, or maybe four years ago now, we, we had the privilege of going to Washington. And I, I love going to Washington. I wish I would have done it much earlier with Tim because I just loved going because he's such a student of history that things just, the way we would talk about things, and I'm kind of a history nerd too, so the, the way we would talk about things was just so inspiring for both of us. And I'm telling you, we, we covered a lot of ground. I don't know how many miles one day we walked, but we made a couple trips around the White House and we were walking here and there. And, and it, was, it was right after the, it was the year after that I had messed up my hip. So it was, it was not easy to walk. And we get into the Smithsonian, the Air and Space Museum, and we're looking at the LEM or a reconstructed version of the LEM, but we, and we looked at the capsule that John Glenn orbited the Earth in. And, and I remember telling Tim, you know, yeah, there's people that don't believe we went. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I can understand today how people might not wonder if it was real because you can create all of that stuff virtually. Now, the nice part was, I mean, we literally... I, I, kept, I used to say to people in school when they would say, this was a conspiracy. I said, they brought rocks back from the moon. Well, how do you know they're from the moon? You know, well, back then there was no, they didn't have the, the computer generated graphics like they do today. But my point is we can't even believe everything we see. But what can you believe? You can believe the things that you've experienced. If I would have been John Glenn, and I do believe that John Glenn orbited the earth. If you could have been in the capsule with Glenn, and trust me, you couldn't, it was way too small. Go to the Air and Space Museum. I talk about orbiting the earth in something that looked like a garbage can. Wow. I mean, what, what these astronauts did either takes tremendous courage or absolutely no brains. Because literally they were sitting on the top of an explosion. And for John Glenn, you know, how do you calculate the reentry angle to make sure he doesn't burn up or bounce off into space? Well, the amazing part is that there were some, some um, black scientist ladies that calculated those entry points. Yeah, by hand, because the IBM computer couldn't be trusted. I love that story. Amazing story. But they calculated it, and he came. But if you could have been in that capsule, you'd have seen it. You would have experienced it. So nobody could say to John Glenn, this isn't real. Nobody could say to Neil Armstrong, you didn't go to the moon, because he did. So what does that have to do with us? My brother and my sister, we, we are eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live as servants of Almighty God. Did you think about that? We are eyewitnesses. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in, in, in I forget, was it Thessalonians maybe when he was talking about, you know, he was seen of so many in Cephas and then finally of me is born, you know, 550 and, and the first Cephas and the 12 and, and then the more than 500 and some. And lastly, he was seen of me, one born out of due time. 
my brother and my sister, we can say to the world, no, he was seen of me. I experienced him. When you experience that right standing with God, that wasn't a feeling. That was an awareness of reality in your life. And you also had the ability, have the ability, and, and daily, I'm sure, if we, if we avail ourselves of it, we, have the, we experience the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. You, you, and and I, you know, the, the, the beauty of, so, you know, one of the beauties of sitting and hearing a testimony of a soul is they they give us this account of they were here and now they're here and this is how they know it because they're changed it's evidence it's there just as being john glenn in was it freedom seven i forgot what the name of his capsule was it's the same Take stock in that. Don't let people tell you it's not real. Don't let the devil tell you that it's not real. Don't let the devil tell you it was in your head. Don't let the devil tell you that, you know what, you know, um, the world is, is, is going to hell in a handbasket. Well, because that's true. It is. We aren't, but it is. Remember, he is a liar right from the beginning. And we see here, the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest, bearest thou record of thyself? It's not true. Well, wait a minute. You're going to tell Jesus that he's not Jesus. I mean, that's what they told him. Pay attention to this verse, my brother and my sister, because that's what the world wants to tell us, that Jesus wasn't Jesus. The world wants to tell us that there is no absolute truth, that everything is relative. Sorry, it's not true. They can say it all they want, but the problem is the more things get repeated, the more people believe it. That doesn't make it true. And for us, we know it isn't true because we have experienced it. Just like John Glenn could look back and see the earth from space. Jesus said, though I bear my the record, of, record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law. I love how they say, he said that. Because he said in your law, it says, the testimony of two men is true. So then he builds off that and says, I am, I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. So he's building in again this, this, this unity of two witnesses, stating that he's true. And they said unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye shall have known my father also. For these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Dear ones, that verse should be really important to us as well. They could have laid hands on Jesus, but they didn't, because his hour wasn't come. Do you realize that we all have an hour? We all, we all have an expiration date. 
There's an hour. And no matter what Satan tries to do with people around us, he has no power to bring anything into our life without God's awareness, knowledge, and permission. Remember the story of Job, where God gave Satan some room to work in Job's life, but he also said, you cannot have my servant, Job. So take heart. When it looks really bleak, when things don't make sense, when it seems like everybody's conspiring against us, that's the way it looks. But it's not real. It's, it's, it's what Satan is spinning in the moment. Yes, these may be very difficult times. There may be illness. There may be death of loved ones. There may be, be family members that, that retaliate against us, whatever it might be. But you know, I, I, I sent someone a message this morning, a text message, just as an encouragement. And I said, just remember the words I read in the back of the book, we win. And that person knows that the rest of it is no more living in darkness. We'll be living at home with him. There is no need to worry about the things that could have been something like that. I read the back of the book. We win. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Now it's interesting that the Jews thought he was going to kill himself. They just, these poor folks, they just couldn't get it straight, no matter what they did. That verse is so telling. Where Jesus had to say to them, ye shall die in your Sins. What, what a tragic statement. And what an incredibly unnecessary statement. But the same is true today. If we choose not to accept the call of God, if we choose not to be as Jesus instructed this woman, I don't, I don't condemn you. Now go, be different, be changed. Don't live in sin anymore. If we choose to reject that, we die in our sins. And that's so unnecessary. Especially when the price was so high and was already paid so we wouldn't need to. Brothers and sisters, let's, let's, let's ask the Lord to give us more opportunities to help people realize that they don't need to die in their sins. May the Lord have his blessing to these words.